Welcome to episode 29 of The Process. Fill the cup. Welcome to episode 29 of The Process. I am Quavon Taylor. I am Omonte Martin. Uh, today we have Miss Kendra Moore on the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Kendra. Hey, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for joining us. Uh, can you tell the listeners where you're from? Uh, my name is Kendra Moore. I'm from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And, you know, Monte is like a brother to me. And I just met Quay, definitely a great gentleman. So I'm just excited to be on the podcast. I have my own podcast called Fill the Cup. So I think that's what we're going to pretty much do today. We're going to just fill the cup, make sure that whatever listeners are listening in, that they have an empty cup ready to receive some hot discussion. Y'all ready to have some hot discussion? Let's do it. Uh, what was it like growing up in Lauderdale? Uh, that's a loaded question, but I try to condense it. <laughs> um, it. It was, it was, it was, a, it wasn't bad. I mean, I, I grew up in a very strong household, so you know, I had both my parents in my house. Kind of always grew up in church, so that was like my whole life. That's like my second home. That's really where I gained my boldness from and my personalities from church. Um, that's where I really first took a mic and anything. And obviously starting out in middle school, high school, it was a little rough. I didn't really feel like I belonged, especially when you kind of have a calling on your life through Christ. So you, I always felt set apart. I always felt different, weird, corny, whatever you want to call it. And so that was a little bit of a struggle growing up. And then I really grew self-confidence and self-esteem in high school, at Dillard High School. And so that was like a whole nother transition for me. When I really actually learned how to love myself, it was like a, a game changer for me in high school. And then in college, obviously I was a little sheltered. So I kind of wilded out at Florida A&M. And you know, that just really is the reason where I'm here, where I'm at today because of that development in college. So obviously Fort Lauderdale is my roots and then Tallahassee was like a growing stage for me. And now being back home, trying to figure out this adulting thing. It's just been a process in itself, so. Talk about the process. Let's let's start back at uh, 
still at high school. We can yeah. even take it back to middle school. You know, right? What was it like? Because I, I can I can imagine a lot of, a lot of uh, women and men, young boys, young girls growing right. up. You know, going to church, um, right. building their faith, but also having to live in this flesh. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, can you speak a little bit about like what struggles you face? Just how hard was it? Like, how did you manage? Oh yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, what's so crazy is you know because I go to a church called the Faith Center in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, was kind of like Sunrise, Florida, nearby Fort Lauderdale. But um, I literally, I'll never forget, I had, like, we were going through this week of uh, fasting in my church due at the beginning of the year, every year. And they actually wanted to switch it up a little bit and actually have a younger person do a sermon. And I've done sermons in the past, but i never done sermon on that type of stage. So it was, like, completely huge stage. You know, obviously all these people, thousands of people in the audience, and I was scared, and I was 14 at the time, still in middle school, and I just felt so overwhelmed that like, man, like God, why are you giving me this responsibility? This is way too heavy for me to carry, you know? But, you know, obviously I impacted a lot of lives at just 14 years old, and it just really set the tone for what God was doing in my life and just showing me that although I was bullied a whole lot in Parkway, he was just trying to remind me that like he had his hand on me. I didn't see it then because I really felt targeted all the time. I had all this love in my household, had all this love with my church family. But when I was at school, I wasn't the same person at church. I wasn't the same person in my house. I was this just very insecure, lost person that just didn't understand why God chose me. So it was a lot of struggling to figure out why did you why do you keep choosing me, God? Because based on my life in Parkway and, and in middle school, it just doesn't seem that cool to really serve God. It doesn't seem that cool to be set apart. Because when I was in middle school, everybody was losing their virginity in eighth grade. You know, <laughs> you had people just wilding out. You know, everything was kind of like just a typical kind of facade. And I'll never forget how um, one girl, I don't even remember her name, that's how long it's been, but she, uh, literally tried they had the whole school against me because i sized her it was almost like a movie um so i sized her and literally by maybe later that the next day most of the whole school knew that i sized her and that she wanted to fight me and she knew that she was gonna pick on the little girl who didn't know how to fight who doesn't doesn't come from that you know i wasn't raised up like that to fight and saw problems to fighting so she knew that she could target me and, you know, it definitely was intimidating. I cried, you know, I remember my uh, high school teacher's class trying to hide, you know, feeling like nobody had my back. I didn't feel like I had friends that would actually try to fight this person for me. So I just felt really alone, very isolated, very just like different and weird and just trying to figure out what God was trying to do in my life. But obviously somebody who also goes to my church, her name was, um sergeant debbie or whatever so she was a, a police officer there like security guard there and she literally you know took them by their necks and was like you're not gonna mess with her she's different like you you don't know her but you're not gonna mess with her because he obviously knew my parents and you know my parents were i'm an only child so they were like oh no i'm about to you gotta sue the whole school we're gonna sue them you know that's just <laughs> how they saw things and clearly those kids ain't know nothing about being sued so 
And what's crazy is the same bullying tried to follow in high school. And then that's when I finally stood up for myself and said, enough is enough. I was actually ready to fight this person because she tried to carry it over in high school. So I say all of that to say is that uh, no matter, you know, a lot of kids, unfortunately, don't survive bullying. But I feel like if you have a blessing to survive it, never, you know, be ashamed of it. Be excited about the fact that people underestimate you because the beauty of your story is you're going to come back. You're going to stun on them, not to bring them down, but you're going to stun up them just to remind that you that never forget, you know, the people that you kind of look down upon or you kind of underestimated back in school because they they're going to come back and they're going to come back with a force. And so obviously no matter where God takes me, I want to lose my platform to, to love people and just remind them that you just can't underestimate anybody. Everybody's glow up is different. So never underestimate anyone because I think a lot of people looked at me and never even expected me to be where I am today. Kendra, you talk a lot about God. What does being a Christian mean to you? Ooh, it means a lot. I mean, I'm a work in progress constantly. Uh, but I just shared this on the stage at my church um, Wednesday. So I was speaking in an interview with my bishop on stage. And um, I was just saying, you know, growing up as, as a Christian, it's different when you've known Christ all your life and you kind of uh, know him through your parents. And, you know, my parents, my dad was a deacon. And, you know, all we knew, we grew up, grew up in a traditional Kojic church, Church of God in Christ. And that was a lot different. And then transition into a non-denominational church was which wasn't that traditional and was a lot different a lot more freedom it, it was it was a transition for me but ultimately I just had to get to know Christ for myself that's the biggest difference I couldn't just know God for who he was for my mom for my dad for all the old saints I had to consistently pursue him for myself and it wasn't I feel like until I got I would say even between high school and college, between that transition is when I really realized how much I needed him and I activated that relationship more than ever. So being in college, being that, you know, so much sin is coming against you and being that you're constantly tested with your flesh, you're constantly being thrown in so many different distractions. I tried to hide God as much as I could and every relationship I've had, I tried to hide God. So it's always been that kind of struggle of hiding him, feeling like he doesn't fit into the relationships that I form, feeling like people wouldn't understand my love for God. But now that I'm older at 28, it's like I'm just in this position where I just have a relentless uh, boldness about my faith. And it's it's just, I'm just here to, to just kind of show people that I don't expect you to, to believe in the God I have, but just, but just realize that you belong. You know, I heard a pastor say that, that you don't have to believe, but you do belong. At least if you know you belong, eventually you will believe. And so that's that's my message to people is that if you have an experience with him, your life will never be the same. You can't just learn Christ through people, although they're your connection, but they can't be your only kind of reason why you love God or why you want to serve him because people will fail you. So you literally have to get to know him on your own because life will bring you to your knees at some point or at multiple points. And at some point you can't ignore it, especially when God is trying to get your attention. So I definitely, I, I have no way to look back. I don't even think I, every time I've tried to turn away from God, I can't. So at this point we're stuck together forever. So like, what advice would you give someone who wants to grow their relationship with God, but 
can't separate themselves from uh, the flesh. You know what I mean? Like, right. The advice I would really give is, you know, to kind of because social media is like a platform for us, just like it wasn't with MySpace. Even if you want to use social media in a personal sense, just really be careful about the image that you want to portray. Like, what do you want people to learn about you in the first six pictures that you post? Or what do you want people to kind of take away from your page, you know, from your stories that you post? What do you want people to take away from the bio that you post? Like, what's the real message that you're trying to send across to people? Because as we know, when we want to follow somebody or we look at somebody's page that follows us, we're looking at those first six pictures at least. We ain't scrolling down all through all those pictures. We're looking at least the first six. So really think closely about the message that you want to send, especially if you feel like you serve Christ. And I found myself in that position just recently. It's funny you asked me that because... I found my my page very contradicting in a sense, you know, to here I am saying I'm a motivational speaker, you know, that, you know, I speak at church a lot, you know, I'm, I'm just supposed to be this influence in the kingdom, but, you know, some of my posts are kind of showing my body a little bit and the other posts are, are somewhat covered up, other posts are positive. Some posts are, you know, talking about everything. So it was just like a big contradiction. You know what I mean? That's what I felt. So I know that people that who also know me and know my platform will feel the same way. So I really had to delete a lot of pictures. I went through just literally deleting pictures that I love that I thought that, you know, I thought were great pictures. But I had to just kind of had a sense of discernment and say, no, that's not okay. And I had to like allow God to lead me of what pictures I should delete. And I'm still not perfect with what I post, but I try to be so careful with just making sure that the message makes sense. Is that if my platform is about motivating people, inspiring people, I can't be a walking contradiction. I can't hide behind social media just to fit in to what everybody else is doing. And I gotta be a light on somebody's timeline. I think a lot of us, we just wanna post what everybody else is posting and we just wanna somehow just be comical or be light and fun and just use social media for fun. But because people are on it so much, you got to realize it's a perfect way to evangelize and to reach the lost and to be a light. Even if you reach one person, never underestimate that power of one person. So I, I think sometimes I had to get stop caught up in getting numbers of followers and numbers of likes. I had to just realize that somebody is being affected by what I'm posting. And that that's what really keeps me going. Um, as well as even when we look at the stats on, on, on Instagram and we see how many people look at our purse versus actually like it, it's kind of mind-boggling that everybody is a professional lurker, you know what I mean? So it's like people just want to look at stuff, but they don't really want to like and, and comment, but they looking. So it's important to realize that if people are watching you that much, you got to make sure that you are that difference, that you are, you're affecting souls in a positive way you're not leading them in, in the wrong direction as much as you can you're not going to be perfect but you got to try to use your your platform at the best of your ability and try to be consistent with that message you talked you talked a little bit about social media identity yeah. um, and what the message you want to portray uh, i want to take it back a little bit uh your dillard days your famu days yeah you know, what was it like forming your identity uh kendra you know what was that process like? Wow. Um, 
Yeah, Dylan days. We could start there for high school. High school is it, somewhat of it is a blur. That's why I didn't even go to my ten year reunion. I feel kind of bad, but I don't know. I just outside of like your wife Doris and and you know Shawnee and Aisha, I don't really talk to that many people from high school. So I'm just like, uh, I didn't really want to go. But when I think back on just what those four years were, they were crucial into the woman that I am today. Because honestly, you know, back from even freshman year, I remember. I never forget I had a, a big old fro my first day of school. <laughs> you know, I didn't really care about what I looked like. I didn't know how to dress. I had no real sense of identity of like kind of how I wanted to be portrayed. And but I also knew that I didn't want to have that same kind of, I would say, last cool, just you can run all over me type of personality like I had at Parkway in middle school. So I really had to grow some toughness. It wasn't my home school. I only went there for performing arts, for theater. So it was just a culture shock at first. Like Parkway was like a little bit of a warning, but Dillard was like a whole nother level, you know? It was almost like you see on the movies, like I never could save the last dance. It was almost like that. It was just kind of crazy. So freshman year was a lot of identity searching and trying to figure out who I was and how I wanted to be portrayed. And I think I got my first cell phone in my freshman year too. So that was like a game changer. And then sophomore year was like where everything shifted for me. Like I immediately, I think that was when I got my first perm. So I was feeling myself. And uh, that's when I feel like guys actually started looking at me a little bit differently. Actually started playing with makeup a little bit. I started actually caring about what I look like, not just now, I, I probably barely looked in the mirror in freshman year, but I really started evolving into this complete woman sophomore year, not in a cocky way, but just like in a discovery of, oh, you actually do look good. You actually aren't that bad looking. So it was a lot of discovery in that moment um, for me. So sophomore year was a game changer. And then I would say junior and senior year, the confidence was just there nonstop. And I kind of was in my own little world. And I was also in this empowerment that here I am, I'm holding on my virginity. You know, I'm not gonna let nobody, you know, take that away. I was seeing kind of everybody fit into a mold and kind of just being the same. And I just wanted to be everything opposite. So I was very strong-minded in high school. So ultimately I just had to make sure that I just remained different and steadfast into the confidence that I was just now discovering. So that was a big game changer for me. And of course, I still had my insecurities. It was still a struggle, but that confidence booster that I gained from sophomore year all the way to senior year was huge. And then senior year, I never forget it. I actually ran for prom queen. I didn't win, but I actually had the guts to do it because it wasn't a it wasn't a typical, you know, you put posters up and people vote for you. It was like you actually it was like a talent show competition. And I'm like, here I am. I have talent. I'm in theater. I love acting because my passion was really big on acting back then, um, which is still a part of me now. But yes, I was like, I have talent. I actually have a shot to do this. And I remember everybody, you know, rooting me on, people that I wasn't even friends with rooting me on and saying, you can do this. I feel like you should have won and all of this stuff. So that was a big game changer for me. And it wasn't even about the title because we obviously found out at prom night of who won, but it wasn't even about the title. It was about the fact that like, I actually did something that I didn't think I could do. And I proved to myself that I was more than just somebody who could put 
you know, put a campaign together because I was never the person to be in SGA. I was never the person that was involved in a lot of stuff. I just kind of wanted to be in my own world and I kind of had a comfort zone. I just stayed to the same two friends or same three friends. And, you know, I was just pretty kind of firm in that. I didn't really, I didn't really want to be too known. I didn't want to be popular. I didn't want to be, put my hand in everything. What I do regret about high school is not signing up for enough scholarships and not really getting my grades where they needed to be because I kind of did school just to please my parents. I was never a school person. I was more getting by. was smart, but definitely getting by. And another game changer for me in high school was FCAT. Like, I really beat up on myself for FCAT. And, you know, if you don't, if, if the listeners never know what FCAT is, it's like a, every state usually has it, where it's like a, a comprehension test to try to kind of test your skills and see if you're ready for college type of thing. And it also can also put you back a grade or mess up your academics if you don't get it right. So I remember struggling constantly with FCAT and SAT scores and ACT and not having a high score that everybody else had to get into these top-notch colleges. And it was just like overwhelming. And I remember crying and breaking down in my theater room and just feeling like I was the only dumb one out of my friends because everybody else was passing and I just could not pass it. And I felt so humiliated and lost and confused. But once I finally did pass it, I felt like a complete weight was lifted off my shoulder. And I would say the last game changer for me in high school, other than just graduating, was I never forget I did the morning announcement. So that was like me kind of exercising my public speaking skills. So that was another way to get me out of my comfort zone. I did the morning announcements, and I never forget the principal actually said, um, he was like, you know, do you know the 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 national anthem? I'm like, of course I know it. I say it every morning. So he actually, I was like, I don't need to read the script. So this was my first time doing the morning announcements with with my partner, and literally the air we I'm on air. I'm on everybody in their calm and in all the schools, all these different classrooms. You can hear my voice, and I went blank on the national anthem, and I lost it. Like I'm like, what the heck? Like I dropped the ball. And I almost cried. I almost ran out of that doggone building and I cried. I was humiliated. And what made it worse of forgetting the national anthem is that everyone around the school had to remind me that I forgot it. And so I just remember feeling like so humiliated. So like, really, why did this have to happen to me? I'm so embarrassed. And even teachers were slamming me and bullying me. It was just crazy. I never experienced nothing like that. But it was also like a game changer to kind of build that strength for public speaking as well. And never, never realizing that you, you know, know as much as you think you know. And then the transition to Florida A&M, because I was so grateful. Obviously, I have deep roots in Florida A&M. My grandmother went to FAMU. Dad went to FAMU. Uncles went to FAMU. It was almost like inevitable that I would go to FAMU. Aunt went to FAMU. Cousins went to FAMU. Like, just deeply roots rooted in FAMU and because they were the only college that accepted me you know with my kind of average scores you know they gave me a shot uh forever grateful for that so obviously going into FAMU I would say that transition was different because you know I'm, I'm the church girl that didn't really see the inside of a club ever <laughs> and you know here I am I think I was in a relationship at the time so I was just trying to be like super innocent and goody two shoes and it, it kind of worked against me because I was very naive especially with guys very naive 
and you know those college you know guys are constantly going for those freshman girls so that was a, a tough one freshman year for me was just dealing with that kind of transition <laughs> of not being the naive freshman not spending I spent so much money on parties and new outfits spending my parents money and just craziness and then was flunking out classes just all kind of craziness because I was partying way too much and then junior year I finally realized that I actually had a gift in journalism like clearly it was my major but I didn't really feel like I belonged and it took a, a professor professor Jones believing in me seeing something in me and saying like hey you actually could do this but because we actually had a a live show that would air 5 p.m every day on channel 20 in tallahassee where fam you had their own news station so it was pretty cool and i remember seeing all the students before me in different classes do it and i always said i can never do that there's no way possible and he was like no you should really audition i see something in you and i just kind of rolled my eyes at it but i auditioned and I got it. And I was the lead spring anchor in 2014, uh, my senior year. And it just changed the game for me. It gave me a super boost of confidence. And I was, you know, the, the it broadcast to 80,000 households in Tallahassee. I was on, you know, every day, 5 p.m. Uh, actually, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 5 p.m. to a live show. And, you know, it was a big uh, resume booster for me trying to get a job in journalism and being a news anchor. So a lot of challenges there, you know, I would be in the hood of Tallahassee, roving my uh, my camera, trying to get interviews, being by myself, holding like a 50 pound camera, tripod in the car. I could have got robbed plenty of times, holding thousands of dollars of equipment around, trying to get these stories, or be a real student reporter. So that was a crazy experience. And I'm so thankful for that. But ultimately, if I could sum up FAMU, it, was, it wasn't about the degree. It was completely about like just growing up <laughs> and getting out of my parents' shadows and realizing that I can find strength in my own. And also realizing that God would never leave me or fail me because I it took me five years to finish my degree and I thought I would never finish. I thought it was impossible. I thought I was incompetent to ever actually pass a class and actually get through it, but I got through it. And the last testimony I'll say from college before I hand it over to you, Monte, would be um, last testimony that was a big game changer for me was when um, I, I obviously I was I was passing all of my core classes my last semester of college you know my journalism classes you know I'm taking a documentary class where I'm actually you know filming a documentary I'm a I'm a news anchor you know for Channel 20 I'm also a reporter it was like suicide the type of work I was doing it was it was crazy and then I had this like random little class, uh, computer class. And I'm like, oh, I'm gonna pass this class, no big deal. And it was a struggle because I was not, it wasn't clicking like I thought it would. I'm like, it's just computers. I edit videos all day for my for my journalism class. So why can't I, you know, why am I not doing well in this class? And I wasn't passing the test and I wasn't being able to balance it with the more important classes. And I was getting complacent because I was doing well in those classes, which mean more to me, but I wasn't doing well in this computer class. So I tried to finesse my way through it. And I literally remember the week of graduation when it was like two days before I got, you know, all 50 something people coming to see me graduate and walk across the stage. I remember crying and begging this foreign computer teacher 
to, you know, pass me. Because I think I had a D at the time to pass me. I'm like, I'm begging you. I'm like, all these people coming in town, I really have to pass. You don't understand. Like, I just have to pass this class. And he wasn't really showing no mercy. I, I couldn't really figure out if I was, if it was working, if the convincing was working. And he didn't really give me a real answer if he would pass me. So I just kind of was like, I had to pray. I talked to my professor about it. He was like, it'll work out. Just still walk that stage with confidence. So I walked this stage, and you know, May 3rd, 2014, not even knowing if my degree was real, not even knowing if any of this was even going to be confirmed. And I had so much nervousness, but I tried to just release it all and be in the moment. And obviously that was a great weekend graduating, big emotional moment. And then I'll never forget it. It was a Monday when grades supposed to post. It was Cinco de Mayo. And while everybody's celebrating their grades, I'm like waiting in anticipation for the grades to, to drop. And I see a whole F on the doggone blackboard. And I lost it. I went hysterical. I'm like, I can't believe he failed me. Like I begged him and he seemed like he would possibly do it. Why would he do me like this? And I felt so attacked. I was crying hysterically. My friends trying to console me. I'm like, dang, I really got to stay in the summer semester to try to get over this computer class. And I got to explain this to my parents that I failed this class. How in the world I'm going to do this? Because my parents were kind of paying out of pocket for me. I didn't have student loans. I didn't have scholarships. You know, I didn't want to have to put them through that. So literally the next day I walked up to the, um, not financial aid, to the student advisor office. And I said, you know, how am I, how, how can I take this class so I can get this over with and still get my degree by the summertime? And it was like, well, it turns out, now looking at your curriculum being that when you came in in 09, you technically didn't need this class to graduate. They put you in the wrong curriculum. Not only did I not need that class to graduate, it was five other classes that I was taking that I didn't need to take that I probably could have graduated sooner. <laughs> and I was pissed. I was like, are you serious? Like, I was mad at family. I ain't gonna lie. I was not proud to be a Rattler at that time. I was very pissed because, I'm, like I said, my parents paid out of pocket for me to go to school. You know, because that, that uh, what is it? Florida prepaid ran out. Um, So I'm just like, I was pissed. I'm just like, I felt robbed. I felt like, how could y'all scam me into taking these classes when I was supposed to be on one curriculum? And it, it didn't make sense because I was in school five years and I really could have probably finished in four had it not been for those classes. But I, I I resolved it and she was like, you know what, even though the F will show in your transcripts, we will override it and still give you your degree and you won't have to take the class over. I shouted like crazy in that office. I was, had tears of joy and I was like, this is the perfect ending. And it just really showed me to trust God, no matter how bad it looks, no matter you know what's going on around you, trust him, you know? And I just, I had to really trust him. And so I have many other stories, but that's that's the sum of high school to college, if any of that makes sense. Being being a person that was uh, kind of like bullied a little bit in school, you know, I mean, what advice would she give uh, someone else going through those similar things coming from Dillard High School or coming from Fort Lauderdale or yeah. anywhere uh, yeah. when they're going through those similar, similar situations? Like, how would they come forward and how would they deal with that? Uh, it's, it's a journey, ultimately, but... I think that what was a game changer for me was realizing, was trying to see myself the way God saw me. That was the biggest game changer. It's like, people don't see me the way God see me. They see me as this kind of just average, you know, little Joe Schmo, little girl that, 
you know, couldn't dress, very corny, hair all over the place, high-waisted pants. You know, they saw this kind of weird, quirky girl, but God saw so much more. And once I really grew a relationship with God, it, it changed the game with how I saw myself. And it changed the game for me allowing other people to define the way that I saw myself. So I would say anybody that's listening to this has ever dealt with bullying or feels underestimated even in your adult years, you know, realize that it's a journey in that. It's a journey in discovering self-love and it's a journey in realizing that people are not going to see the real picture of where God is taking you. They're just not going to get it. That's not meant for them to get. What's meant for you to do is to realize that you're alive for a reason, is that you survived all that you survived for a reason, and that nobody's opinion of you is worth your life. It's not worth your calling, your destiny. It's not worth where God is taking you. It's not worth your confidence. Like someone else's opinion of you is literally just an opinion. It's not a game changer to literally, I would say, downplay what God is doing in your life. So if you don't know Christ and you're trying to navigate bullying, it could be a little hard because you you don't have that structure and you don't know how to handle that. You don't have parents pouring into you, you know, kind of telling you your worth. You don't know how to really navigate through that. You didn't grow up in a very strong, structured family. So ultimately, if that's you, I would say, you know, find that belief, not only in Christ, but find it in yourself. Because if you can look at yourself in the mirror and say, I actually, I am somebody. If I'm alive, I'm somebody. But also my story is, is unwritten. So it would be a robbery of me to, to kind of take myself out so early when I got so much more to write. There's so much more more this book to, to discover and to write down. So it's important to me to not just die in that spot <laughs> to not sit in that spot and waver and allow people's opinions to literally put me in a grave that that that's just that's not how I can go out it's, I gotta be able to see this out I gotta be able to live through this and I never forget the Netflix show 13 reasons why and seeing how the girl killed herself and left all these tapes to kind of explain it um but that not everybody is gonna do that so I think it's it's important if you somebody who has bullied somebody is to look within and realize where that's coming from. You know, do you feel like you got to be better as a person to bring somebody else down? Or is there a lack of self-love even within yourself? And never underestimate the power of giving somebody a compliment. I think we're in a generation where everything is in a competition. Everything is who body looks good and who, who plays a better sport who's better than this, who got more followers, who's looking like this, who got more money. It's like everything is a competition, but we just got to realize that we're all broken vessels in need of a savior. And we're all beautiful people, worthy of love, worthy of understanding, worthy for our voices to be heard. So when you look at people like that and you look at people in a different perspective, it'll cause you to realize that you can give someone a compliment. It's okay. We don't have to be in competition. We're more alike than we think we are. And we actually have a better connection than we do. So I, I'm I'm just kind of in a space in my life where I don't care what color you are, what culture you come from, what gender you are, what sexuality you come from. I want to love everybody. I want to be attached to everybody. And if I can be that difference in my generation, that's crucial for me because so many people are following that mold where 
They don't want to challenge themselves to love. They don't want to challenge themselves to accept people who are completely different from them. I don't want to just be around black people. I don't want to just be around Christians. I want to be a room full of atheists. I don't mind being a room full of an Asian, a Caucasian, you know, a, a Pakistani. I don't want to judge anyone. I want to find beauty in everybody. And so when we can love ourselves and then now be able to share that love with somebody else, it's a game changer for the way that this world is going to work pretty much. And you touched on something important. You said love. <clears throat> At the end of the day, God is love. So right. you want to share God with people. Uh, you touched on something earlier when you were talking about your story from uh, middle school to high school. You talked about stepping outside your comfort zone. You know, right. what does that mean? What? Because, you know, usually when you step outside your comfort zone, it's unfamiliar and you, you're uncomfortable. Yeah. But what strength did you receive from stepping outside your comfort zone? Um, and what advice would you give to someone who was afraid to step into the unknown? Oh, that's, that's a lot of advice. I would say, you know, if you're trying to step outside of your comfort zone, ultimately, you got to just start. <laughs> there's no there's no plan you can set forth. You literally just got to do it. Like, you just got to make a decision that one day that I can't just sit and kind of allow myself to never be challenged. I want to be challenged in every area of my life. And I pray that prayer every day. I'm like, God, bring me a new challenge. Bring me a new thing to conquer. Don't allow me to just be around the same group of people. Don't allow me to only be comfortable around people who believe what I believe. Don't allow me to only be around things that I would say don't promote growth, you know? So I think we always have to be in a sense of growth. And when you get out of your comfort zone, barriers are broken. Money comes out of nowhere. People come out of nowhere. Networking opportunities coming out of nowhere. The podcast happens. The, the, the vlog happens on YouTube. You're making money from YouTube. You know, you, that business starts. And, and now you're traveling the world. Like, stepping out of your comfort zone, it just changed the tone of how your life is ran. And I think a lot of people are just, they only want that complacent, safe space. And they gotta realize that as long as God has you alive, he wants you to be uncomfortable. And the beauty of being uncomfortable is that so many blessings come from being uncomfortable because serving God is uncomfortable. Telling somebody about God is uncomfortable. Every part of knowing Christ is uncomfortable because you don't want to love people who don't deserve it. You feel like, no, why should I, why should you deserve love? It doesn't make sense. But when you realize that that it's not really a choice, it's, God is not really trying to give us a choice. He's trying to say, this is more of a commandment. Like, if you're going to ever tap into the possibility of what I can do in your life, you've got to learn how to love. There's no way you can serve me and not love. It's almost like there's no point in serving me if you don't want to know how to love as well as forgive. So God is challenging me even to this day to love people in the most uncommon situations um, which is completely uncomfortable and it, it, it pisses you off sometimes because you're like, you just really want to hold grudges sometimes. You really just want to get back at people. You really want to just send a message to people. Don't mess with me. Don't play with me. I'm not the person to be played with. But a lot of times it's not even worth it. Life is too short for that. We only get one shot at this life. So for me, being out of your comfort zone is crucial. It's, it's almost necessary. It's almost like a non-negotiable. If you really want to do something in your life, and get out of that place that you're kind of tired of being in, you gotta get out of your comfort zone. It's not really a, a negotiable type of situation.
So, Kendra, the title of our podcast is The Process. So, on our podcast, we have a, uh, a segment we talking about what does trust in the process mean to you? Uh, we always ask our, our guests on. So, I want to ask you, Kendra, what does trust in the process mean to you? How does it affect your life? Thank you for asking me that. So, trust in the process is, is, is crucial because it's, it's an everyday decision to trust the process. Because, you know, being that I work in sales now, I have a sales job, you know, I got a recent promotion in that to a leadership position. So that's like also me getting out of my comfort zone. I remember even in my sales journey, I didn't understand, you know, why I didn't get a job in journalism right away, you know, and I felt attacked. I felt like I'm worthy to experience that. I'm worthy to get this big career right out of college. I'm worthy to be able to post it on social media and show everybody that my degree worked for me. So why did it not happen for me, God? I don't understand. And I remember sending hundreds and hundreds of me- of emails to, to news stations, begging them to, to hire me, to give me a shot. And ever since um, I, you know, got out of that post-grad journey, it allowed me to realize that that although I'm grateful for my journalism roots, that God is calling me for so much more. And then he kind of had to get me out of the distractions of Tallahassee and everything. So I had to come back home, remember why I fell in love with God, and to remember the journey that he's taking me on. And that it's not a it's not a sprint. It's completely a marathon. That's all life is. It's not something you can rush yourself through. It's not something you can play around with. It's not something that you can just sit back and just allow it to play yourself out. You literally have to step up and say, I'm not going to just stay in this place and and kind of stay in a sense of self-pity and, and worry about what's not going right and what job I don't have. I literally need to look around me and realize that I have so much to be grateful for, more than I can ever imagine, and that somebody would trade places to be in my position immediately if they could. So all the things that I'm complaining about is ridiculous. So <clears throat> I stopped being insecure about my job and I start realizing that I'm in sales for a reason because I'm able to deal with people. I'm able to learn how to talk to different kinds of people and that I feel like everybody should at least experience one sales job in their life. I always say that. So the process from, I would say, elementary to middle school, high school, college, and now as an adult at 28, it's been it's been a crazy journey and it hasn't stopped it's only gotten better I, I got so emotional the other day speaking on stage to our, to our bible study crowd because i'm just like I, every time i get on that stage no matter how many times i get on that stage at church i'm just in this sense of god i'm not worthy like i'm a hot mess like why do you keep pushing me forward why do you keep choosing me why do you keep putting me in a position to where I'm being an influence to someone when I feel like I'm not free myself. And I feel like as he pushes me for it, is the more I find freedom. It's the more I take my relationship with him serious. And the more I analyze the people that's in my life. And I've lost some people this year in my life, which has been crazy for me. I lost people last year in my life. And so I have to realize that through this process, loss is okay. And it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with me. It just means that they're not meant to go where I'm going. And that's okay. You're going to lose people along this journey. So trusting the process is crucial. It's literally about allowing God to completely take the wheel and you to just sit in a car and drive and 
when you get dropped off at a certain location to handle it and handle it with grace and to realize that it's all a part of a bigger plan. So I think that we just can't underestimate the beauty of being alive. Being alive is, is such a huge gift. It's a gift that we all expect to have each and every day because we all invest ourselves into our lives. But it's something that you can't take for granted because more and more people are dying at a young age. You know, more and more people are dying around us and, and death is real. So it's important to just be so intentional about the decisions that you make, about the people you hang around. That's my message of trust in the process. It's an everyday journey. It's an everyday decision. But realize as long as you're alive, there's so much more to see and accomplish. So much more. So I want to know who is Kendra Moore today? Kendra today is this single 28-year-old uh, literally trying to rediscover how to love herself. It's been a journey because, you know, last year I got out of a three-year relationship. It was a big deal for me. I thought I was going to marry that person. And it was a big transition for me, you know. And now, and now it's been a year later since that breakup. And it's been a constant, everyday fight to learn how to love myself again, to learn how to completely, not only to learn how to love myself again, but fall back in love with God and realize that I don't need a man's, I would say attention and a man's validation to have love for myself, that I wanna love myself to the highest capacity that when anybody new comes in my life, if you can't love me the way I love me and the way I've been able to treat myself in, in the season that I'm in, that you don't deserve to come in here and kind of wreck things up, you know, because I can do bad literally all by myself. And so I, I've also learned that being alone is, is not a punishment. It's, it's actually a blessing. It's, it's one of the beautiful seasons that anybody can go through before marriage, before that next step in life. So, and then also I'm navigating through figuring out my career. I'm constantly praying to God to kind of help me figure out the career situation and where that's going. So I'm always growing in my sales career. And then ultimately the biggest picture, my biggest dream is to be a motivational speaker that travels the world and just tells my story and inspire people and give people freedom. Like that's all I wanna do. I don't wanna just hold on to all the things that I've gone through. I wanna share my story because my story is gonna bring someone else freedom. That's the whole point of our stories is that it's a transfer of information to help somebody else there's no possible way we can hold on to our stories that's the beauty of podcasts that's the beauty of of our youtube channels that's the beauty of our voice is that it's there to give someone else freedom so kendra today she's trying to restart her youtube channel she's trying to thrive in the podcast world i even thought about even today in my car about possibly even getting into radio um also and I'm rebranding myself. I used to be more media for a while, but I'm rebranding myself to more motivation. So that's M-O-O-R-E-R, -E motivation. And uh, and the Kendra today is always learning, always evolving, trying to love the unlovable, reach the impossible, and just to be a light in any kind of darkness that I can. That's my ultimate goal is to be a light. We definitely appreciate you uh, being on the podcast with us and, and sharing your story you know and shedding a little light on your story and, and what it is what it means to trust the process what it means to step out you know beyond your comfort zone um we really appreciate it um 
do you have any lasting words that you want to leave with the listener? My lasting words would be keep trusting the process because obviously with this whole movement that Amante and Quavon have, it's, it's just important that you follow that movement, but also making sure that never underestimate the season that you're in. Don't try to rush the season that you're in. Don't try to get out of it and you know, try to jump into another victory. Just literally sit in your season and figure out what God is trying to teach you in that season. Don't rush it. Don't try to run from it. Face it head on, no matter how ugly, no matter how lonely it is. It's, the season was customized for you. Don't run from it. Stay planted where God has you because it was designed for you. And to make sure that you just live life to the fullest and be excited about every day that you are able to experience life and have breath in your lungs and just appreciate the people that are around you. Don't underestimate the fact or take advantage, I would say, of, of the people that are around you that have been in your corner from day one. Never, never take them for granted because life can change in a, in a snap of a finger. So it's important to never take anything for granted. So Kendra, where can the people find you? So you can find me on IG at More Motivation, M-O-O-R-E-R, Motivation. And every Sunday I post, uh, post, every other Sunday I post inspirational videos, just trying to light up your day, light up your Sunday for a brand new week. Also, make sure you follow my podcast, Fill the Cup, F-I-L-L-T-H-E, Cup, on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts, the purple app on your iPhones. Um, and stay tuned to the YouTube channel that I'm relaunching. It was more more media, but it's going to be more motivation. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be big. And I also am posting videos on IGTV and as well as I'm relaunching my Twitter page to make sure that that's also being a motivation to people. So just stay tuned, period. I might be on your TVs. I might be on your radios. You just don't know where I'm at because I'm just I'm following God each and every day. Every day is a new surprise and a new journey. So just stay tuned, ultimately. This concludes episode 29 of The Process. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and to like us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Thank you. They're chanting, trust the process. (laughs) Trust the process. Trust the process. I think the main thing for me was trying to decide on who am I and like what I want to be and how I want to be remembered. Like that was my thing. You know, oftentimes I think about like my legacy and like the mark that I want to leave, not only on the industry, but the effect that I want to leave on people. Being a whole human being, going through my obstacles, going through the things that I'm going through and not to only broadcast these things, but for it to inspire change.